bless the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, let's really lift our voice unto him. Come on, let's take about 30 seconds and give him some great praise. Hallelujah. We bless the name of Jesus. You are great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we come into your house today to magnify you. Lift our voices, our hands, and our hearts unto you. To declare your glory into this atmosphere. To shout the high praises of God. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord of my soul. And all that in me is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Read uh, one verse in your hearing. James chapter 5 and verse 7. Thank you, choir. Sister Lisa anointed singing. James chapter 5 and verse 7. Simply says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. Scripture is very clear in describing the Lord as the husbandman and the church as the bride. And the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. That's souls. Revival all over the world. He waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it. Going on 2,000 years plus. That's long patience. Until he received the early and latter rain. I want to speak uh, this morning for a few minutes in your hearing on the subject, the latter rain formula. The latter rain formula. Would you lift your hands and your voices and would you invite the Lord into your heart today? Lord, we ask that you administer to us, Lord through the preaching of the word, through the ministering of your spirit. Allow us, God, to be open-hearted and open-minded that you would just deposit into us, Lord, what you would have. There would be a seed of faith that would be planted in our hearts and minds that would cause us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let our lives be transformed by your word. Help us, God, to put everything else aside and for just a few moments, Lord, to focus on your word and your will for our lives. But we know, God, that on our own, we continue to make the same mistakes. But we believe that you can renew our minds today. We believe that your word is true. That you will forgive us of our sins, cleanse our heart, change our thinking. We need you today, Lord, and we ask you to do your work. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated, and thank you for standing. We um, just returned a couple of days ago from uh, being in China and uh, the underground churches of China. We went to four different uh, churches, had six different services, and uh, saw nearly 300 people filled uh, with the Holy Ghost. And uh, we have prepared a short video uh, that's about three minutes long that uh, I want to show you just as a foundation for this message this morning. And uh, for those of you that are watching by internet, um, for the security of 
the churches in China. The persecution there has become worse. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And uh, so the video feed is just going to stay on me for about three minutes. So all of you that are watching by internet, we apologize for that, but we can't show you the uh, feed because we're going to be uh, showing some faces of the Christians that are in China. So if you can just uh, bear with us for about three minutes, we're going to show you this video. We go overseas so much, a lot of it goes back to when I was 20 years old. And the Lord uh, just gave me a special experience when I was on a missions trip. And uh, I committed myself at that time at 20 years old to always be mindful of missions and to go when I could. And then at 35 years old, the Lord blessed our church. It was connected to missions as well. So we made a commitment that we would always um, have an ear and a heart that was tuned toward global missions. And God has blessed us. And everything really that you see around you is the result of us having a heart and a mind for global missions. And so missions has not necessarily grown from our church. Our church has really grown from missions. And so that's why, you know, if, if you've only been here for a few years or a few months, that's why we're so committed uh, to going is because of the, of the calling that God put on our lives for that. And I just want to say how much I appreciate this church and uh, your understanding and, and, and having a, a global mindset because really some of the, what we're going to talk about today in terms of a latter-day formula is based on shifting your mindset from local to global. We're having to do that economically, and we're having to do that in our culture, but also spiritually, you have to shift your thinking from local to global. You have to shift your thinking from security to sacrifice. There's a lot of things that are necessary. And a few years ago, I prayed and asked God to give us a core group of 500 people on a dream team that would be committed to either go or to give or to pray or to sin, that we would always be mindful of what God is doing all over this world. And I'm thankful to tell you that we are getting close to that number We've got almost 500 people that are committed to be a part of the Global Missions Dream Team. And God is blessing. Amen. As we go into the year two and we get closer to our missions conference, I'll, I'll try to um, go into more detail into the background of that story. But um, when we went into China, we had the opportunity to go uh, in and to be with some churches that are not of our denominational per se. But the Lord uh, just gave us a green light through some of the contacts that we had we were able to uh, make contact and to be able to go into some of these underground churches. Some of the services that we had were with uh, home group leaders because most of the churches are in people's homes. And yet there are places such as you saw in those pictures where they can come together and they can meet. One of them uh, was a place where is a factory. We basically had church in a factory where they were making bisqueen and uh, plastics and we had uh, a service in uh, the factory. And uh, so there's different places. Another one was in an area where they were making clothes, and uh, we had to go up an old uh, elevator to about the fifth floor, and we had a room in there that was about 15 by 20, was about the size of the room. And they had, we counted, over 200 people in this room. So I got a revelation for all of our Sunday school teachers that complained that, you know, they've got a room that's... 900 square feet and they have 25 kids and they need bigger space and more room. I got a revelation that we still have plenty of room for growth right here <laughs> with, the, with the present campus that we have. But the hunger that they had for God was just um, mind-boggling. So after the first day when we were on a subway, we were going back uh, to our hotel. We were in the city of Shanghai 
And uh, we had just seen a tremendous revival of over 100 people get the ghost. And um, as I was uh, just sitting on the subway and I was thinking as we um, had to go through uh, quite a bit of time and transfers and whatnot to get back to where we were staying, uh, there were some things that kind of came into my heart and it's really the foundation of what I want to share with you today. There are a lot of scriptures in the Old and the New Testament that link the former rain and the latter rain. If you've read your Bible, if you're familiar at all with Scripture, you'll know that there is this terminology that's used, former rain and latter rain. The former rain is teaching, it is truth, it is revelation, it is the Word. And the Bible says that we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So truth is the former rain. And the outpouring of the Holy Ghost which I think you know by now is happening all over the world, is the fulfillment of the latter rain. And the latter rain started in the book of Acts. This is why Peter referred to it as the latter rain. In the last days, he said, the, the, the preaching on the day of Pentecost that we read about in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 was Peter literally talking about there was going to be this outpouring of the Spirit of God and it was referred to as being the latter rain. It was referred to as being in the last days. And it may sound somewhat ironic that Peter would talk about the last days whenever that was 2,000 years ago. So last days has been going on, you know, for, for over 2,000 years, you know. Uh, it reminds me of uh, the summer I, I spent uh, studying in Oxford when I was in law school. There was one dormitory that I stayed in and they called it the new building. And when, when I went and got in my room, I realized that this was not new at all. And I inquired and I said, why is this called the new building? And they said, well, it was because it was built in the 1500s. <laughs> well, you know, we are in America. We have a fairly young country here. Anything in the 1500s would not be considered new. And so I said, well, why would they call it the, the, the new building if it's over 500 years old? They said because the rest of the dormitories were built in the 1300s and the 1400s. So you're in the new building, the 1500s. Well, whenever Peter talked about the latter, the latter reign and he talked about the last days and now it's been 2,000 years ago, it's easy to lose sort of the context of that. But you've got to remember that for over 4,000 years there had been this uh, desire of God pushing time forward through the children of Israel and the Old Testament prophecy. When you go into the Old Testament prophecies and you begin to read all about this, you'll see that there was this former reign and there was this latter reign. There was this, this two-pronged approach to how God was going to pour out His power and His blessing upon humanity. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 16, quoting from the Old Testament, uh, the prophet Joel, Peter said, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Now, Peter was quoting from Joel because Joel was an Old Testament prophet. And in the second chapter of that book that bears his name, he, referring to the Lord, said, will cause to come down the former rain and the latter rain. He wasn't the only Old Testament prophet that talked about it. Hosea also said, he will come upon us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain upon the earth. Daniel referred to the former and the latter rain. Zechariah said, ask ye of the Lord, rain in the time of latter rain. Haggai, who is another Old Testament prophet, referred to the former and the latter house of Israel. All of them 
different metaphors referring to this time period which we commonly call today as the church age. That there was going to be this latter rain. There was going to be this last day outpouring of the Spirit of God. So these Old Testament prophets and others foretold of a time when God would demonstrate Himself in a very specific and powerful way. And so everything in the Old Testament, everything in the law, it pointed toward this time when the presence of God would be poured out upon humanity in such a way that they had never seen or experienced. At the years and all of this time of the history pushing us forward through the children of Israel, getting us to this place where the promise was going to be fulfilled. Everything was orchestrated through time. God, being a God of order, being a God of principles and laws, pushed everything forward to this point where the latter rain could be poured out upon not just Jews, but Gentiles and Samaritans and whosoever will. That was the message that Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. And so it all came to a culmination. What was necessary was Calvary. Calvary was the final act that was needed for there to be legal authority in the spirit realm. There had to be a sacrifice. And the sacrifice of an innocent lamb from the Old Testament formula for sins to be removed and to be remitted. And the outpouring to have preeminence in the spirit world. It was necessary that there be a sacrifice. Once this spirit of God encountered humanity the spirit of god in humanity had to conquer sin that's why jesus christ and it's important for you to have a revelation of who jesus is he's not a demigod sometimes when we refer to him as the son of god people have a, a misconception about that he was all god the bible said the fullness of the godhead dwelt in him bodily but he was all god and he was all man his mother was a human being mary his father was the Spirit of God. And so he was all God and he was all man. And it was necessary now we see that the Spirit of God has come upon a human being and encapsulated that human being. And so Jesus Christ now is the what Paul referred to as the first fruits or the prototype or the model of what's going to happen when the Spirit of God comes upon man. Once it did, through the death of Jesus, the fulfillment of the law was established. The prototype for the indwelling of the Holy Ghost in humanity was established. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus was the first fruits. Paul explained that Adam is the first fruit of all of those that are born naturally. Everybody that's in this building today, and those of you that are watching by internet, it matters not what nationality you are. It matters not the color of your skin. It matters not what language you speak, whether or not your eyes are slanted or round. Everybody came from Adam. There was one man and one woman, Adam and Eve. Everybody else came from them. We didn't come from monkeys, and we didn't come from Adam and Steve. We came from Adam and Eve. So if you've got a human body, Adam is the first fruits of that. And the Bible says that. Paul talked about this in his writings over and over again. 
that Adam was the first fruits of those that are born naturally, but Jesus is the first fruits of those that are born spiritually. That first fruit, that being that model and that example. So Calvary demonstrated that the Spirit of God in humanity is greater than sin. This is why Calvary was necessary before there could be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There had to be a prototype. There had to be a model that when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you can say no to sin. I feel like preaching to somebody in this building today. If you've got the Holy Ghost, there's no addiction of the flesh. There is no sin that has to have dominion over you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So Calvary demonstrated that the Spirit of God in humanity is greater than sin. And the resurrection proved that the Spirit upon man is greater than death. Woo! Hallelujah! So because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, here's what we know. That when the Spirit of God comes upon man, we have got power to live above sin. And when it's all said and done, and death takes every one of us through this human body, there's going to come a day when the trump of God shall sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. And Paul said in Romans 8, 11, If the Spirit of Christ that dwells in you dwells in him, it shall also quicken your mortal body by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Ladies and gentlemen, this Holy Ghost is more than just speaking in tongues and getting chill bumps on your spot. It's power, wonder-working power to live above sin and to one day spend eternity with Jesus Christ. This is why Paul talks about the Spirit of Christ in man as a resurrection spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 23, if you want to read along with me. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Now once again, Paul is comparing Adam to Jesus. He's saying because of the sin of Adam, humanity is now familiar with death. Because when you and I were first created through Adam as our prototype, we weren't created to die. Sin coming into humanity is what caused there to be a shelf life on this humanity that we've got. But Paul is saying, don't fret it, because even as death came upon humanity through Adam, also now resurrection has come upon humanity. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. Oh, hallelujah! I was so amazed when we were in China, and they're, you know, they're experimenting in China with a system that I don't think is going to work. They're trying to embrace capitalism because they've seen that you know, the, the economy of a communistic country doesn't survive over time. They've got the Soviet Union to look to, and they, Cuba and all the... And so China, they've tried to embrace capitalism. They're trying to embrace... Uh, you know, the economy of the West, and they're trying to hold on to the old hardline uh, communist, you know, uh, routine of no freedom of speech, no freedom of press, no freedom of assembly, no freedom of religion, and so forth. And so they're still trying to maintain that uh, old communist rule, but at the same time, they're, they're creating a hybrid system where they're trying to open up to capitalism because they know that they need 
this uh, economy of the West for them to survive economically. And so they've created a, uh, a, an, an economy that's uh, the second to America in the world. It's the second strongest economy and it's got through some problems now because the cost of living has gone up. So manufacturing costs have gone up. So companies are going to Indonesia and Cambodia and Honduras and other places where they can get widgets and gadgets made cheaper than in China. So China's having to sort of metamorphose into developing other types of industries and whatnot. But make no mistake about it. They have a, they have a strong economy, but they're trying to create this hybrid system where they embrace capitalism and they still enshrine communism. But it's not going to work. Because everybody we talk to, this younger generation that's being exposed to capitalism in America, and they love America. The American, they're, we're just, they're going to take a picture everywhere we go on the street. They want to stop you. Take a picture, take a picture, take a picture, take a picture. You would have thought we were celebrities. Jimmy, we couldn't hardly deal with him. He had all these people wanting to take pictures with him. He didn't know what to do with himself. And they just, they love American food, and they love American culture, and they love an American, uh, you know, music. And, and so this younger generation, they care nothing about communism. All they want is capitalism, capitalism. They work, 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 the day and night, seven days a week. Work, 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 capitalism. They're everything, and they're looking to America as, as their role models in all of this. Well, guess what? You can't get the genie back in the bottle. Once people start experiencing freedom, look out. So it's only a matter of time when that younger generation says, fully on atheism. I can't tell you the number of people we talked to that said we once were atheists. We didn't even believe there was a God. And now we've got God living inside of us. I've come to tell you that this latter rain is being poured out all over the earth for whosoever will. If there's a desire, God will find a way. To pour out his spirit. Now, here's what Paul continues in 1 Corinthians. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. I'm in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 15. Afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. So Christ is the first fruits, but now there's going to be this demonstration. The ultimate act of the demonstration of the Spirit of God is going to be the resurrection, the rapture that's going to take place. At his coming. So Calvary, follow me now for a moment. Calvary paved the way for the resurrection. And shortly after the resurrection, 47 days later, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Calvary was needed for more than just legal authority based on Old Testament law. It also embodied something that is essential to an outpouring. This is what I want to get to you this morning. I believe through the word of God that there is a formula for the latter rain outpouring that is consistent to every single human and every single culture. And this is what I believe the formula is. I believe the first thing that is necessary is humility. Now I tried to get away from that word humility and I redid all of my notes and I put in humbleness. And God convicted me of it. And he said, I did more than I'm just being humbled on Calvary. I was humiliated. And he convicted me and I went back and changed it all and put humility back in it all. This is something that is a struggle for us in America. We don't like anything that...
that's associated with humility. But ladies and gentlemen, I've come to tell you that if you want the power of God in your life, you've got to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You can't be God and serve God. You've got to say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. It's not what I want. It's what do you want? What pleases you, God? There was nothing more humiliating than a public execution that lasted for hours as you're lifted up high for everyone to watch your pain and suffering. And if Calvary was anything, it was pure humility. The God of glory, creator of humanity and the universe, robed in flesh, tortured at the hands of his own creation. But ladies and gentlemen, this outpouring of the Holy Ghost was and is the latter rain. And you cannot get to this outpouring without humility. The thing that just boggled my mind when we were in China is the humility of the people. There was such a humility. They would literally just throng around you 10, 20, 50 people. And as you would pray for people, they would pick your hand up off of someone's head and they would put it on their own head. All around you, your hands were almost like they didn't belong to you anymore. And they were just, and it was all around you. You, you know, you finally you understand what the, the Bible talks about when they pressed Jesus. He had to remove himself from the ground. It was literally, you could feel yourself getting knocked over. And it's somewhat of humility. There's a humbling of your own will whenever you allow somebody to put their hand on your head and pray for you. There's a certain amount of humility that's involved in getting up out of your seat and coming down to an altar. And, and we don't want that. That's why churches don't even want to do altar calls anymore. They told us before we got there, they said in China, now these churches that we're going to, they said they don't, they don't even have altar calls. And I just felt the Lord kept putting in my spirit, just preach the Holy Ghost. Just preach the Holy Ghost. And we went, to, we went to places where they never even had had an altar call before. They don't do altar calls anymore. They said, we don't do altar calls anymore. Well, guess what? They're not the only ones. There's a lot of churches not doing altar calls anymore. You know why? Because we're trying to get away from humility. When I got there, I realized what the problem was. It wasn't humility. They didn't have any room. 200 people in 300 square feet. There's no room for an altar. But they had these little plastic seats they sat on. So I said, okay, God, how are we going to do this? And the Lord said, just give an altar call. They'll figure it out. We got to the end, and I said, okay, now God wants to give every one of you the Holy Ghost. And I said, we're going to turn the whole place into an altar. And they started stacking them little plastic chairs on the corners. They just, before, I mean, in a matter of seconds. There was what there was once a, a little room. Now it was a little altar. And then we started praying. In the first service, there were, there, were, there were home group leaders that were in the first service. And they're very attentive. And so they just sit and listen to you while you're talking. But when you put scriptures, we translate scriptures up into Chinese. We put them up there on the screen. And when you put the scriptures up there, they would all, I think you saw some of the video, they'd all, the entire congregation would quote the scripture. And so when I was first talking about the Holy Ghost, everybody was sitting there, and then the scriptures went up, and all of a sudden there was this, like this roar. As they read the scriptures off of the, off the overhead. And then, so I said, Woo, they got a hunger for the word. We got something to work with. 
And, and so then I said, okay, now we're going to have an altar call. And here's what I found in the altar calls, even though they may not have been experienced with it. In six services that we had, you know, in America, you give an altar call, like 10, 20, 30, 40% of the people come. Everybody else all of a sudden starts thinking about lunch and wandering out the back door. Not in China. The entire church comes to the altar. The entire church. <laughs> so I said, now we're going to pray for the Holy Ghost. And so this first service, I, said, I didn't know how it was going to work. I just said, we're going, to have a, we're going to have an altar call. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But just push the chairs back. Come forward if you can. Come on the platform if you can. Some came on the platform. The pastor getting nervous. The platform was going to break. So we had to make some people off the platform. So we got it all worked around. And I said, okay, now here's what's going to happen. We're going to pray and so forth. And when we started praying, I've never seen anything like it. The people literally, they all over backwards on their back on the floor. It was almost like, it was just like a poof. And everybody just fell over on their back all over the whole building. And, and then we went around and... As, as we were trying to pray with the people, we realized they were speaking in tongues. Of course, a lot of people get the Holy Ghost. When they're speaking Chinese, sounds like everybody's getting the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but then they'd stand up and that expression would change and their, and, 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 and the, and the, the, their, their, their mouth would change and their language would change and, and they started speaking. And then one lady started speaking English. She started saying, Jesus, I love you. I worship you. I was like, great, we got somebody that can speak English. And the pastor came over and said, she doesn't know English. I said, she does now. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus. We went to another church and the pastor had never received the Holy Ghost. He was real nervous. He said, it's too much noise. We're going to this and that. We got to shut the service down and we got to close it. So we close it. But he would then talk for another 30 minutes. And he would try to get everything. But by the third service, it was on a, on a Sunday morning. And uh, we talked about the birth of the Holy Ghost. And we were talking about studying John the Baptist. And we were talking about the declaration of the word, the response of the soul, and the liberation of the tongue. And... We got ready to do the altar call at the end, and when we started praying, it was we were in an up, it was an upper room. We were like in an upper room of a of a factory, and there was at least 120 people. And I got to thinking, this is like the upper room. And so we started praying, and when we started praying, I looked over at the pastor, and he had his hands in the air, and he was worshiping. And I went over, and I put my hand on his head and prayed for him, and immediately he got the Holy Ghost and started speaking in tongues. I've never seen anything like this before, but it was like when the pastor got the Holy Ghost, because I know the pastor is the gatekeeper in the spirit world, in, in churches, and when he got the Holy Ghost, it was like that God just kicked the door down. Because when he got the Holy Ghost, it was like a wave that swept through that place, and the entire congregation started receiving the Holy Ghost all over the place. And I told the pastor, I couldn't speak. I said, go there. And I put it down. I'm learning the culture. I put his hand on people's heads. And I got the pastor. And he's praying for people. And as he's praying for people, people are falling out, speaking in tongues, falling out, speaking in tongues. He starts rejoicing, shouting, jumping up and down. Before it was over, the pastor had, had the Holy Ghost. Two translators had received the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because this outpouring of the Spirit of God is the latter rain. 
God, you ought to rejoice for just a moment. God is a God of his word. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Simultaneous with this humility was something else that was undeniable. And these two things coming together creates a, an internal combustion, I believe, in the spirit world. That is the latter rain formula. Not only was there unbelievable humility, and I'm going to talk for you in just a moment about how we demonstrate humility in the presence of God in our culture. But beyond humility was hunger. A tremendous hunger from the people as the Word of God went forth. Whenever we would, you know, try to instruct people to just move their chairs and we started praying, I realized that the Holy Ghost was being poured out on people, though they may not have had full understanding because there was hunger and humility, when we just tried the best we could with the language barrier and everything else to just instruct, it's almost like all of those, what we would think of as natural barriers, were all removed in the spirit world. And when, when the power of God started falling, it, it dawned on me that in the spirit world there are certain ingredients that when they come together, there is no spirit of this world or spirit of divination that can hinder the outpouring of the Holy Ghost through the latter rain. When hunger and humility come together, it creates an atmosphere that brings about an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So as I was sitting on that subway and I was thinking, Hunger and humility. What is hunger and what is humility? Humility is worship. In fact, in just a moment, I'll read a verse to you. But if there's anything that stops the move of God or stops the latter rain, it is pride. Pride will stop immediately the outpouring of the Spirit of God in your life. Now, it may not stop what's going on on your neighbor. But pride, and, and, and the Old Testament prophets talked about this, pride literally dries up the skies from a latter rain outpouring. So how is humility a part of what we do? And then it dawned on me that worship is humility. If you struggle with worshiping God, it's because you're struggling with pride. You can't worship God if you think you're all this in a bag of chips. I don't want to get my hair messed up. My 
You can't worship God if you're struggling with what you look like and what people are going to say and what your reputation is going to be. You can't worship God. But if you say, God, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks. He is great and greatly to be praised. So if you ever feel like you need God, come into your car, come into your home, come into your heart, come into your family, come into your finances. Just start worshiping Him. Lord, I made a mess of things, but you are great and greatly to be praised. This bill's not a problem with you. This relationship's not a problem with you. This crisis is not a problem with you. This job is not a problem with you. This boss is not a problem with you. You are the mighty God and you can do anything. And I'm asking the God to roll up your sleeve of power and might and do your work. In the name of Jesus Christ, I will bless the Lord at all times. I've always known through the years in working with people to receive the Holy Ghost that worship is a key. I just I didn't understand all the background to it. I just knew there were two things that activate the power of God with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I've seen it all my life. The two things that activate God pouring out His Spirit on people are worship and faith. Worship and faith are the two things. Now here's the something that you and I have got to understand. God is not activated by need we think if there's a need that God is activated by it ladies and gentlemen need is what activates us I have a need so I go to need is not what activates God what activates God is hunger and humility humility is worship and hunger is faith. See, you, you can't get hungry for something if you don't believe it exists. Woo, I can't wait to get to McDonald's. This was a thought that came into my head every day in China. Where's McDonald's at? I'll show it tonight. We've got another video to show you. But every once in a while, we'd see a KFC. Kentucky Fried Chicken. But we were in one little town and they didn't have a KFC, but they had a KHZ. It had all the same color scheme, but instead of KFC, it was KHZ. And Colonel Sanders looked like Lieutenant Sanders because he was much younger, had all black hair, and no beard. I said, let's try it. So we went to KHZ. But if you don't believe that that place exists, it's hard for you to get hungry for it. But if you know it's there, you can smell
smell it from 10 blocks away. Somebody frying up a filet of fish. <laughs> Woo! We got to find that thing. There's something about hunger. The Bible talks about this. That faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it dawned on me that they've got faith because of their hunger for the word of God. Now why is that? Because they've seen what the word of God's done in their life. They believe that anything's possible with God. People came with cancer and all kind of people because of their factories and lead and all, you know, all the craziness they got. And the people had all kind of ailments and illnesses and sicknesses. And we prayed for one lady. Her eyes were all messed up. God healed her eyes around the spot. I told him, I said, if you get the Holy Ghost, you'll get the healing also. Don't focus on the natural body. Focus on your soul being saved. Because if you can get your soul saved, everything that happens in the physical world is an outpouring of what's going on in the spirit world. If you get full of the Holy Ghost, God will heal your body. God will heal your family. God will heal your marriage. It's the Holy Ghost and fire that we need in these last days. We need the Holy Ghost in our houses. We need the Holy Ghost in our homes, in our minds, in our daily conversation. It's the outpouring of the latter rain that is missing that will solve all the ills of our society. I was so glad to hear Reverend Lee Stone King. I know some of our people are not here today because he's speaking up in Bellevue, but I was so happy to watch that video clip of Brother Stone King speaking before the United Nations, the General Assembly of the United Nations, just a few weeks ago. Apostolic Pentecostal preachers stand up there in front of all these world leaders. And you know what he told them? He said, Jesus Christ is the answer. To the ills of our society. He is the prince of peace. There's wars and rumors of wars. And there's strife and stress on every head. But there is a solution. I've come to preach to somebody today. That Jesus Christ is the solution. To the mess you're dealing with. Not just knowledge of him through the word of God. But you can know him for yourself. But nobody can give you hunger that has to come from within. Humility and hunger. Outpouring of the Holy Ghost is focused on that. So as I sat on that subway and I just felt the Lord speaking to my heart, I, I said, Lord, if this is the formula for the latter rain outpouring, what's an easy way to remember it? And it just came to me. I don't know if it was me or God. But here's an easy way to remember it. H2O. Maybe you need to put a graphic or something up there that will help them see it. What is H2O, Brother Joe? Water. What's the latter rain? Spiritual water. The refreshing. The Bible talked about it. Sit down and your belly shall flow rivers of living water. The outpouring of the, of the Holy Ghost is latter rain. H2O. Hunger plus humility equals outpouring. H2O. 
H2O. If you're hungry and if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He will pour out His Spirit upon you. Stand to your feet. Jesus. This latter rain out came to a point, culmination in the beginning of the book of Acts. Jesus was seen by several hundred people after the resurrection for a period of 40 days, Acts 1 tells us. Then he ascended and went to heaven. Two angels had to come down and remind the followers of Jesus to go to Jerusalem. Jesus had told them to go to Jerusalem and tarry or wait for the promise of the Father, which was going to be this latter day outpouring. They went there. The first thing that Peter did was to have a business meeting and to elect a new disciple. This is why I believe it took at least seven days before the Holy Ghost fell. Not because the business meeting lasts for seven days, though it may have, knowing how business meetings go. But it took some time for them to get unified and focused so that the hunger level could get to a point where the outpouring could come. They had humility through Calvary. There had to come a hunger. And the thing that God put in my spirit is that hunger develops over time. Sometimes you and I want to microwave the outpouring of God's Spirit in our carefully crafted one-hour services. God, you've got this amount of time to move or I'm out of here. But ladies and gentlemen, when you're really hungry for God, you don't care what time it is. You don't care if you've been standing or sitting. I'll be honest with you. Though you may not imagine this at this point in time. But when you're really hungry, it doesn't even matter if you got air conditioning or not. <laughs> Woo, pastor, don't take my air conditioning away. But when you're really hungry, it don't matter who sees you. It don't matter what you look like. It don't matter if you're sweaty or pretty or in between somewhere. Pour out your spirit, oh God. I don't want to live another day without you baptizing me with the Holy Ghost. I don't want to wait another second, another minute, another week. I've got to have you. Over the last five or six months as we as a church have focused on revival I feel like the Lord has brought at least me to this point of understanding and that is that what we are developing as a church is spiritual hunger and it's taken time but it's developing and I feel it in our services and I feel it in the spirit And tonight I want to talk to you about a subject of no fear. And Brother Fobert talked about it in the Bible study today because I think fear is a thing that paralyzes a lot of us. But ladies and gentlemen, I believe that in our church, in our culture, 
There is a hunger that is growing and developing. And it is something that has to take place through the spirit world. It is the outpouring of the spirit of God that will answer all of the issues that we have in our life, in our homes, in our mind. All of the things that we struggle with on a daily basis. Calvary brought about humility. And after the ascension of Jesus, the disciples knew that they had to have God in them if they were going to make it in the world of persecution that they would face as they exited that upper room. And I thought about all those people that we met with. Every day, they were under the threat of danger, being hauled off to prison, families, some of them even executed because of their faith. It's not a fairy tale. It goes on every day. They knew they had to have God's spirit before they went out those doors. I was amazed to see them in the middle of the day lift up their voices. Windows open. I'm going to show you more video tonight. Windows open in the middle of the day. Lifting up their voices and magnifying God. Because spiritual hunger will trump natural fear every time. Every time. That's what the disciples had to have. They were hungry. And the Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one mind and one accord. That meant they were all together hungry for the promise of the Holy Ghost. That humility and hunger came together. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. You can read it for yourself, but it didn't stop there, my friend. When the crowd gathered around on the streets, over 3,000 people, what's going on up there? Peter, standing up with the 11, said, this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days. Saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He told him who Jesus was in an 11 or 12 minute sermon. He laid out the plan of salvation. Verse 37 says that crowd said, being pricked in their heart or feeling the conviction of the presence of God, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38 said, Peter said unto them, repent. There's the humility. You can't truly repent full of pride. You've got to be willing to admit that you're a mess. Repent. Lord, I've tried to do this on my own. I've made a mess of things. But it's not beyond me to bow a knee in humility today and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of all the things that I've done. My actions. My thoughts. I just need you to forgive me and wash me as white as snow. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Because there comes the legal authority. So that when sin would try to come back into your life, there's literally in the spirit world the authority of the name of Jesus that stands there and says, not here. It doesn't mean that your own human will can't allow sin to come back into your life. 
But you know what? You don't have to live in fear of every day. Whether or not God's going to forgive you. Because the Bible says, for the remission of your sins or the removal of your sins. Something can be forgiven and just pushed down the road. But when it's removed. There's not even any record of it. Your record is expunged. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I was so thankful. I watched some of it on, online from China. Last, uh, last Sunday morning, Brother Herring was preaching about baptism. And, and uh, 12 people that were baptized last Sunday. I was in China rejoicing. They had baptism over there in a lake, in a public park, on a Sunday morning. We said, where's the baptism? We drove. We thought we'd be in some hidden spot in the bottom of a house somewhere with a blow-up swimming pool in the park, in the middle of the day, in the lake. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. Baptism in Jesus' name. If you've not been baptized, you need to get baptized today. Oh, but I don't want to get my hair wet and get messed up. H2O. Humility and hunger. And nothing else will matter. You just say, God, I want your outpouring in my life. I'm tired of just living for you around the peripheral edges. I, I desire all of you. I feel like that's the prayer, and I know I've gone over time, but I feel like that's the prayer of our church. I wonder if that's your prayer. Would you step out of where you're standing right now and come to this altar and just say, Lord, I want you to just saturate me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I'm going to come right now, and I'm going to believe you, and I'm going to worship you. Those are the two ways that I can demonstrate hunger and humility. Come on, God's got an outpouring for you. We're fortunate here. We've got room. You can step out of where you're standing. You can come to this altar. You can make your way down. You can pray in your pew. There's no doubt that you can do it right where you're at. But I think God honors that making a step forward for him. Come on, you said, I'm going to just put it all on the altar. I've tried to solve problems on my own. But I'm just making a mess of things. I'm willing to stand here before you right now, God, with my arms outstretched. You say, why do we lift our hands? That's saying, Lord, I surrender. Not my will, but thy will be done. Come on, if you've never received the Holy Ghost, just lift your hands wherever you're at right now. Begin to worship God. Begin to worship God. That's it. Receive you the Holy Ghost. Receive you the Holy Ghost. Everything I give to you. With holy nothing. Come on, with holy nothing. Here I am, God. I'm going to put it all on the table. I give it all to you, Jesus. Come on, that thing you've been wrestling with, that problem you've been fighting with, why don't you give it to God right now? In the name of Jesus, 
Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 